Good morning again. My name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bellmead United Methodist Church. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us. Is this, if this is your first time or second time or third time in person or online, we would love the chance to connect with you. So we invite you again to fill out that yellow, yellow visitor card. Yeller, that's how we said it in Alabama. <laughs> that yellow visitor card in front of you in the P-Rack and meet us on your way out. Uh, before I get going today, I w do want to make an announcement that I wanted to make sure we did not miss. Um, we have suffered the loss of two people in this church, David and Linda Ford, husband and wife, uh, recently. And so I want to make sure you all know that this Friday, February 11th, will be the service for them at Harpeth Hills Memory Gardens on Highway 100. The visitation is at 1.30 and the service is at 2.30 in the pavilion. So we just wanna make sure you have those details and we will send something from the church this week. This morning, as we said, we are beginning a new sermon series called Happy, Healthy, Healed. And in this series, we're gonna look at different healing stories in the book of Luke. Uh, part of the reason for this series that I, I felt God kind of stirring it in my heart is that um, we're all sort of in need of healing in various ways. Um, and we have some collective wounds, some collective things that we are sharing uh, together as a community. But it's also to reiterate that, um, yes, we look forward to the day of heaven where we are ultimately healed. But Jesus says, even here and now, even in the midst of your hardship, you can be happy and healthy and healed. And so that is what we're gonna try to tap into this month. Uh, as we are situating ourselves in the book of Luke, I wanna talk about the context just a little bit. Luke's authorship is anonymous as every other gospel is. It does not indicate who wrote the book, where they wrote it, when they wrote it. But uh, the best resources that we have say that this book can be traced to the second century and that most likely it was written by a man named Luke who was a physician, a companion of Paul, uh, who wrote probably the book of Luke and Acts. Now it's also important to point out that every single gospel portrays Jesus in a certain way. And so what we're looking for is the way that Luke portrays Jesus. Um, you're gonna learn something this morning that I learned from divinity school. Uh, back in the second century, there was a scholar named Tatian and he actually tried to take all four of the gospels and conflate them into one reading. It was called the diatessaron. Say diatessaron. And I maybe just told you how to say it wrong. But now you know what it is. There was, a, there was a time when they're trying to just mesh all these gospels together. But that didn't work for this reason. Because each gospel reader had a lens by which they understood Jesus' stories. And so it's important today that we understand that the Luke Jesus is seen through the eyes of a healer. We're gonna see over and over that Jesus is a person of compassion, a friend of outcasts. Jesus, he says, is the savior who is sent to seek and save the lost. In fact, the book of Luke is the only gospel that calls Jesus savior. 
And so today, we encounter our Savior Jesus as he makes his way through Galilee, offering healing to people. We began this a little bit last week as we looked at chapter 4. Jesus began to drive out demons in people. He healed Simon's uh, mother-in-law's fever, this thing that was holding her captive. And then all of a sudden, everyone around the country started to bring people to him. So here in chapter 5, his healing continues, and the text begins this way. We're told that once, when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. So first we have to understand that leprosy meant a various amount of, or could have meant uh, different kinds of skin diseases. Scales, inflammation, lesions. What would have been true is that they covered the entire body. They were painful and they were open wounds. Now it's also important that it says once when he was in one of the cities because lepers were often pushed outside of the community. They were pushed outside of the city but this man is in the city. And so when he sees Jesus, he bows his face to the ground. He says, Lord, if you choose, make me clean. And Jesus reaches his hand out to touch, his, touch him and says, I do choose. And then he tells him to go back to the priest to present himself to him as a clean person. And that's because of this. There was a Levitical law that required every afflicted person to present themselves before the priest. And the priest was the one who got to decide, okay, either you go to quarantine for seven days um, or you uh, have to go and live alone or live with other lepers. And so after a leper was healed, they came back to the priest and there was this ritual healing over them. It was very strange. It involved two birds. Um, and then the cleansed leper would get to bathe and shave and wash his or her clothes and come back into the community. And so this is why Jesus says, return to that priest after you have received this healing. Now, knowing all of this context helps us to bring the story into greater focus. Jesus, the friend of outcasts, sees this leper who is pushed to the outskirts of community as someone worthy of his attention. Jesus takes this man at face value. Jesus, the friend of outcasts, does not avoid him for fear of getting sick, does not care about his quarantine, doesn't worry about getting unclean, but instead doesn't just acknowledge him, reaches out and touches him. When I studied abroad in uh, Florence, Italy, I was a junior in college and I attended this school called Santa Reparata International School of Art. One of the classes that I took was uh, black and white photography and I learned to sort of love this art form when I was in high school and able to take a class and learn how to develop film in a dark room. Now, when you're using a dark room to develop film, every part of the development process is important, but you can't even get to the beautiful, fun part of unrolling your film and looking at all your negatives and sticking it under the light and projecting that onto paper and running it through all these different baths and squeegeeing it off and seeing what comes out. You can't even get to that if you mess up the very first step. And the very first step 
is that you have to sit in a completely dark room. You have to take your film and put it in this black bag and you have to navigate with your hands, popping off the canister, pulling out the film, unrolling it, putting it on a reel, sticking it in a tank, sealing the tank, and then taking that sealed tank into the dark room. And that's because exposing that film to even the tiniest bit of light can destroy all of your work. It can destroy all of your negatives. And so today I want to contend that we often live that way. We act as if exposing our wounds to even the tiniest bit of light will destroy this life that we have curated and cultivated and captured. We try so hard to keep the reel of our pain and our heartache ache locked tightly in a canister. But see, what is true for the film process is opposite in the spiritual life. You have to bring the negatives of your life out into the light as quick as you can if you want to enter the development process, the healing process. That is the fastest way to unveil the beautiful, fun part of seeing what the prints of your life look like when you have the courage to work through your wounds. And here in our story, the leper reveals to us what it's like to live a life with wounds that you cannot and should not hide. He is forced to own them and to not be afraid of them. And he takes the initiative with courage to come into the city and position himself before Jesus and beg to be made clean. And Jesus is eager to heal him. Here's another way to say it. I've been thinking about how fast-paced and busy life is for most of us. It is way more convenient to say that everything is fine and keep moving on. See, we aren't really intentionally hurting, trying to hurt ourselves when we do this, but later on, when we find ourselves isolated on the outskirts of our own well-being, we realize how much we have suppressed and stuffed down and choked back. Seriously, we do not have enough emotional or mental energy to deal with every single cut as it comes. And so what we do is we uh, take band-aids and we slap them on that same fight that we keep having with our spouse. We take band-aids and we uh, slap it on those insecurities that we feel when we can't answer a question at work. Uh, or we're um, not able to show up in a relationship how we'd like. We take a Band-Aid and we slap it on that feeling of guilt that we have when we parent or don't parent our child in the ways that we wish that we could. But see, the problem is we end up with what only appears to be a flesh wound when in actuality these continue to burrow and burrow and burrow into our soul until we choose to be aware of it and sit in it and feel it and name it and work through it. 
I realized that again this week uh, as I went out to Percy Warner on Friday morning to hike the two and a half mile trail. It was the first time in a long time that I've been completely by myself. It was 24 degrees and I didn't care. <laughs> I'm going to the woods, leave me alone, right? So I get to the woods and um, no one else is really there because it's also muddy and I stick my earbuds in and I turn on uh, Maverick City Music. That's a group that I'm really into right now. And as I huffed and puffed up this initial hill, uh, these words started echoing through my earbuds. Breathe, just breathe. There's power in the way that we breathe. Release your heavy burdens and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I'm telling you that that song crescendoed at just the right moments. And when I topped that hill, I was finally slipping out of my demands and my burdens into a time when I could just breathe. And I felt tears well up in my eyes, these warm tears, because I felt equal amounts of relief and gratitude and grief and release for all that I had been holding in my body, right? We forget the toll that these cuts take on us. And so like the leper who kept his wounds exposed and chose to deal with them, we too have to peel off the band-aids and let our wounds get some air. We have to peel off the band-aids and let our wounds breathe. At my house uh, these last three weeks, um, which certainly has been contributing to my stress, we have been dealing with actual illness. Uh, my daughter Madeline is five months old. Uh, her uh, room at the Children's Center behind us was closed to COVID exposure. And then a week later, she got sick. And it turned out in January, she was home for three weeks with me and Mark. Well, somewhere in the midst of that, my three and a half year old son, Lewis, also had his room closed down to COVID. And so this week, we were rejoicing as we dropped them off. Tuesday was like, everybody made it through one day of school. And then on Wednesday, <laughs> They called me at noon and they said, Lewis has a temperature of 101.5, right? So I walk over to get him and I bring him over to my office. Um, he was crying on my couch until I was able to get him Tylenol and some macaroni and cheese. Later that night, we took him home. Um, and as most of you know, with young children, they want to sleep with you when they're sick. And so I'm in the bed with him and I'm listening to him uh, moan and cry and whine, just like his body is aching, his body is on fire. I'm waking up every four hours to give him Tylenol. Um, at some point in that night, we got up to go to the bathroom and I flicked on just a small light in the bathroom and I could see that tears were streaming down his cheeks. And he looked at me and he said, I can't stop crying, mommy. And I said, it's okay. So we went and we got back in the bed and I wrapped my arms around him to hold him and try to help him drift off to sleep. And like any parent who sees a sick child, I wished that I could take that pain on myself, take it off of him. And today I wanna say that that's the point. The point is that we are allowed to cry. 
that we need to take those band-aids off and expose those wounds. And if we can't stop crying, it's okay. The point is, while we wish that we could take the pain off of our loved ones, we worship a Savior who does that that is the point of the entire gospel message, that no matter who you are or what you've done or what darkness you are facing or what wounds you're experiencing in your life, Jesus chooses to reach out to you and touch you and embrace you and hold you. He chooses to take on your sin and your shame and your heartache and your pain. And so Jesus, friend of those who are an outcast to their emotions, Jesus, friend of those who, uh, who see their pain and need to feel it, he comes today to seek out and save the lost. He is our one true Savior. Thanks be to God. Amen.